The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. So why is it that anti-Semitic hate crimes continue to rise in America? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thank you for joining us on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. This is Michael Brown. I am delighted to be with you. If you have a Jewish-related question... It can relate to the Hebrew language, Jewish tradition, Israel today. It can relate to the Hebrew Bible, Messiah, Messianic prophecy, those kinds of things. If it's Jewish related, give me a call, 866-348-7884, and I will get to as many of your questions as I can during the course of the broadcast. I do want to address the issue of the continued rising tide of anti-Semitism. Some news reports earlier this year indicated a 300% spike in New York City and anti-Semitic hate crimes. So Jews being attacked specifically because they were Jews. Another report, Wall Street Journal, indicates that levels have continued to rise of anti-Semitism in America since 2016, with Jews feeling more vulnerable in America than they have in years. The question is, why? So we're going to get into that on today's broadcast. Also, news from Israel. Another member of the coalition government in Israel has now resigned. This is an Arab member of the Meretz party. A Meretz being a far left party, but or left wing party, joined the coalition with Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and others saying, okay, let's, let's bring all these disparate parties together and work together. And this representative said the the government is too far right. The government is making decisions based too much on right-leaning parties and Bennett himself being right-leaning. And therefore, this MK resigned. So now it's not just that it's 60 out of 120 as opposed to 61 out of 120 seats, but 59. So it's a minority. So it's well expected that there'll be a call to dissolve the government, which would mean new elections coming in September. So yet another wave of elections and yet another attempt for Netanyahu to come back as prime minister. We'll see what happens with the court cases against him. That is ongoing and of interest. And we will we'll keep you posted because it's major, major news. First, let me share a few things about anti-Semitism with you. In my book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, and then in my book, 60 Questions, Questions Ask About uh, Jewish Beliefs and Practices, I have whole sections dealing with the phenomenon of anti-Semitism. And I point out, following the lead of Professor Edward Flannery, that anti-Semitism is the world's longest hatred. Uh, Flannery said this, anti-Semitism is the longest and deepest hatred of human history, What other hatred has endured some 23 centuries and survived the genocide of 6 million of its victims in its 23rd century of existence, only to find itself still intact and rich in potential for many years of life? Go back to Esther, chapter 3, verse 8. Esther 3, 8. There is a certain people dispersed and scattered among the peoples whose customs are different from those of all other people and who do not obey the laws, international laws. It is not in our best interest to tolerate them. This is an accusation brought against the Jewish people. You have a similar accusation in the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 4. The king should know 
that the Jews who came up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem and are rebuilding that rebellious and wicked city. Skip down in these records, if you search the past, you'll find that this city is a rebellious city. Troublesome to kings and provinces, a place of rebellion from ancient times. That is why the city was destroyed. Why is Jerusalem to this moment the most controversial city in America in terms of its standing and in terms of who should own it and who should have the rights to it? Anti-Semitism is also the most widespread hatred of all time. Not just the longest, but the most widespread. As I wrote, it can be traced from the Greco-Roman world to Christianity, from Islam to fascism to communism, from white supremacists to black supremacists, from university campuses to the world press, from the philosopher Voltaire to the historian Arnold Toynbee, from the composer Richard Wagner to the car designer Henry Ford, from Japan to Russia to Iran. Why the Jews? Even pointed out that a few years back, this group, the Raelians, came into the headlines claiming they had successfully cloned human beings, obviously just a publicity stunt. But I was curious, who are these Raelians? Well, they're followers of Ra'el, who was abducted by aliens and enlightened by them. And he had just posted a new speech and, and those websites in multiple languages. And it was anti-Semitic. I thought even the Raelians are anti-Semitic. I mean, I smile. But ultimately, it's nothing to smile about. I've also pointed out that anti-Semitism is the most vicious hatred of all time as it goes on and on generation to generation with all types of viciousness and murder. And it's the most irrational hatred of all time. As I wrote, the absurdity of the anti-Semitic libels simply defies rational explanation. When the Black Plague decimated Europe, Jews were accused of starting the plague by poisoning the wells with a mixture made of spiders lizards and the hearts of Christians mixed together with the sacred elements of the Lord's Supper. Outrage mobs slaughtered thousands of Jews as a result of this pernicious rumor. When the Catholic Church declared or codified in 1215 that the elements of communion literally became the body and blood of Jesus, Jews were accused of stealing and torturing communion wafers, leading to whole Jewish communities being burned at the stake. In the Muslim world today, they still believe that every year, Jews kidnap and torture a priest or other victim using his blood to make Passover matzah, unleavened bread. The Muslim world also takes seriously the protocols of the elders of Zion, a notorious forged document from the 19th century that claims to report the secret plans of a hidden group of Jewish leaders who are poised to take over the entire world, ultimately bringing it into subjection to the Hindu god Vishnu. Here's a direct quote from the protocols. Our kingdom will be an apologia for the divinity Vishnu in whom is found its personification. Jews have also been blamed for the spreading of AIDS as well as for, as, as for orchestrating the terrorist attacks on September 11th, 2001, and on and on. Jews have been a con, con, accused of controlling the Catholic Church. Sigmund Freud said this with regard to anti-Semitism. I don't really want to search for explanations. I feel a strong inclination to surrender my effects in this matter and find myself confirmed in my holy non-scientific belief that mankind on the average and taken by and large are a wretched lot. Sigmund Freud. Why then has anti-Semitism increased in America in recent years? On the one hand, in general, there has been the continued fanning of flames of racial hatred, ethnic hatred in America. Whites hating blacks, blacks hating whites, different groups hating Hispanics, different groups hating Asians, different groups hating Jews, etc. 
And I'm sure the hatred has gone in each different direction at different times. But this is exacerbated in the whole culture. I talked about it yesterday and how baseless hatred is destroying the nation. If you didn't read my article on that, uh, go ahead and do it at AskDrBrown, ASKDRBrown.org. So that's, that's one issue. So if general racial ethnic hatred is increasing in our society as a whole and being fueled by the media, by politicians, by social media, the Internet, well, it's only natural that anti-Semitism will be on the rise as well. Some might say, yeah, but it seems it's on the rise even more. Well, there's no surprise with that because the protocols of the elders of Zion, the notorious Ford's document I just referenced a few seconds ago, that continues to get good circulation. I, I have been in New York City many, many times. And if you walk down the street, especially on a Saturday in a busy area of the city, you'll find street vendors and they're selling everything. They're selling you Rolex watches for $15, right? The Lens Rolex watches, $15. They've, they've got you know, all kinds of jewelry, but they've got books. There's a guy just standing on the street and he's got his little setup of books. And the Protocols of the Elders of Zion has perennially been, for many years now, one of the best sellers. People buy it and believe it. And in a country like America, where you do have a disproportionate rate of success for the Jewish population, I mean, you say the same about the Asian American population, right? But the Jewish population, Jewish Americans, have been more sex successful, more educated. Well, that's just going to play into the Protocols. You see... There is this Jewish cabal waiting to take over the world. Look, look at Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, and, 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 and look at Steven Spielberg. I mean, Hollywood, the Jews control Hollywood, and the Jews control social media, and the Jews control the banks. and the Jew- So all you need is a person here, a person there. doesn't matter how many things go against that theory. As long as you have a little confirmation, well, then that's enough to prove the Jews are taking over the world. Then you've had... Different anti-Semitism from people like E. Michael Jones and others on the right. And, and their argument about how the Jews are ultimately all in, in rebellion against the society and by nature are destructive revolutionaries that want to bring down a society and bring down Christian values. And then you got a Jewish porn leader. It's, oh, I see, that confirms it. So you have those types of voices. That's rising in our culture as well. Then you have the growth of numbers of ultra-Orthodox Jews, large families filling communities, that creates hostility. And, and you're trying to take over our city and, and, and you know, it's, you're different and, and you look down at us and that's what's being perceived. So those tensions rise there on the ground. And it's just natural that as each year goes by, that Satan is going to do what he can to attack and wipe out the Jewish people. So Jews have, have left countries like the former Soviet Union, the countries represented there in Russia. Many Jews fled from there to Israel. There's a large percentage of, of Russian Israelis, and they left because of anti-Semitism, even though they were leaving careers, they were leaving a lot of things behind and came to Israel and could not simply resume those careers. And there is the joke about the guy pumping gas for you in Israel is now going to tell you about the chemical formula of the, of the gas because he's, he's a chemist. But the only job he had was pumping gas. Still, it was better to leave because of the rising tide of anti-Semitism. That's happened in England. That's happened in France. So it is just part of, of the atmosphere of this world, which by default with fallen human nature 
and satanic activity as anti-Semitic. And the way we confront it is by speaking the truth and by praying and by demonstrating love. It doesn't matter if a Jewish person agrees with us theologically or morally. We simply say we stand against the anti-Semitism. We stand against the Jew hatred. We stand against the demonizing of Israel. And then where Israel is wrong and Jewish people need the Lord, we speak plainly, we speak truthfully. But we speak out against the anti-Semitism. It is a sacred calling that we have as followers of Jesus to expose the lies that want to wipe out his own flesh and blood. We come back going straight to the phones right here on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Oh, how the world needs God's shalom. How America needs God's shalom, how the Jewish people need God's shalom. There's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 26. Many of us will know it from King James and other translations that God will keep you in perfect peace. Those will, God will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And it says in Hebrew, Yetzer Samuch. So it's the, the inclination, the mindset leaning on him. Yetzer Samuch shalom, shalom. God will keep them in perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Because it trusts, or that person trusts in you. That's where the shalom will come from. Not from this world. Not from this world. Not from what you read in the news, or read online, or watch. No, it will come from an encounter with God. It will come from taking hold of the truth of God's word, which transcend all experience. And ultimately saying, God, I trust you. We will then be established. We will then be secure. We will then be immovable. We will then be unshakable. God's grace will uphold us. All right, for your Jewish-related questions, 866-348-7884. We go to the phones, an anonymous caller. Welcome to the line of fire. Um, yes, Dr. Brown. I hope nobody recognizes my voice. That's why I want to be anonymous. Um, I'm really concerned because um, my husband is traditional Jewish, and I go to a Messianic congregation. And last Friday, I found out that Saturday, they already had it. They had a bar mitzvah for a young man that has, quote, two dads. And the lady, my friend that also goes there, was telling me about it. And she was like, oh, it's fine, you know, one of these young, one of these men is on our board, and one of them is, and he's going to be the vice president on June 1st. And it's just, my husband's going there, mm. and he's so involved. 
I'm yeah. just, I'm trying to get God's peace. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're going through this. And, and obviously we can hear the, the effect it's having on you. Let me ask you this though. When you say it's a traditional synagogue, a it's traditional a synagogue would not welcome into its leadership someone in a homosexual relationship. So it can't be that traditional. It's conservative. And they're all, I mean, they're so... Uh, conservative is anything but traditional. You got that right. Right, right. So, so within the three major branches of Judaism, reform, conservative, and orthodox, yeah. conservative is liberal. All it was trying to do was conserve certain traditions. That, that's the Amen. Judaism in which I was raised. So that's, that's perfectly normal there. Just look at it like this. They don't know the Lord the way we know the Lord. And and my husband's involved in it so much. He's in the men's club. He's really involved. Right, this right. Hurts. Of course it hurts, but but please please hear me. The bigger thing is that he doesn't know Yeshua. The yeah. fact that they have these liberal social values to them, they're being inclusive. To them, they are being prophetic and going against the bigotry of society. I mean, that's, that's how they see it, that they're doing the right no. thing in God's sight, and they'll have their rabbis explain why, why these things are kosher. If it was an Orthodox yeah. or ultra-Orthodox synagogue, these things wouldn't be happening. I mean, they'd reach out to the kid for sure, but they would not allow uh, a man, quote, married to another man to be part of their leadership or anything like that. But the thing is, look, the world is the world. It would be no different than if he was uh, a nominal Presbyterian Christian going to a, a nominal Presbyterian church that did confirmation for kids with same-sex parents and welcomed the same-sex parents into their congregation. It's just the world that doesn't know the Lord. So I would encourage you. What do I do? Yeah, what you do is pray for him to know the Lord and pray I've for him to know Yeshua. And that was just, excuse me? I've been doing that for years, and um, this, it was so weird. The week before, I went to support him because he was leading, doing some things in the service, and the Yeshua came up, and I was able to tell them that Yeshua didn't come to destroy the Torah, but the law, but to fulfill it and all this. And then the next week, when that seemed like a breakthrough, it's like the enemy threw this out. <laughs> Yeah, but here, listen, your job is to plant seeds and pray with a broken heart because your tears speak volumes to God. And, and I, know, I know situations with wives that pray for year, years and years and years for their husbands to come to faith. And then they did in the most extraordinary way. I mean, I, re I remember one case in particular. Every time I would preach at this church in New Jersey, this woman would come up to me and she was my husband. He's, she was Gentile. He was Jewish, but he was yeah. he was a God mocker. And she would she'd come in tears. My husband, my husband. Her heart was breaking. I mean, for for good reason. But but when he got born again, he got so radically born again. He'd set up a keyboard on street corners and and play and preach wow. the gospel. I mean, he became outspokenly bold. It was amazing. He was a college professor, a psychologist, and yeah. wouldn't hold back airing his views. So the the fact that they're that they're affirming of homosexual relationships and all that, that's that's the least of your concerns. They don't know the Lord. They don't hold to the same standards that we do. They read the Bible yeah. differently. So I know it's it's burdensome, but that's that's honestly the least of your concerns. You just keep shining the light 
You keep showing something beautiful to him. You keep being he kept rejecting Yeshua over and over and over and over. But what it breaks God's heart too. But what can you do? But pray. I can't do I mean, but pray. Yeah, and listen. Let me say this last thing to you, and then I'm going to call on our on our listeners to pray with you. Uh, there are rabbis that I've interacted with now for over fifty years, and there's some I've interacted with steadily, steadily for over 20 years, sometimes talking by phone once a week. Rabbi Shmuley and I have spent many hours together, beautiful times, sometimes just the two of us, for hours talking, heart to heart. None of them are believers yet, but I keep sowing seeds and praying. There's a gentleman that I started working with in 1993. It took 25 years, a religious Jew, 25 years before he came to faith. And now it's a beautiful thing to see what God is doing. So let's pray. Everyone listening, especially if you have a burden for the lost sheep of the house of Israel and and the tears of this wife touch you, let's pray. God, open his heart, open his mind, soften his heart, bring him to repentance, put faith within him, God. Give him a heart to turn, we pray. Pour out grace on him and give him a heart to turn and use this woman to touch him in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. 866-34-TRUTH. Tell you what, Eric, stay right there. I'm going to go to you right on the other side of the break. This way, we'll have time for your question. We won't have to rush the question or the answer. You know, on Wednesdays, we sent out an e-blast called the Wednesday Watch List, and we give you in one email all of our latest videos because every week we put out a number of short videos on specific subjects or targeted videos on things, and we want you to know about them. And if you miss it just in the business of life, you don't see it posted on social media, boom, you get that every Wednesday. And then Friday, here's a list of all the articles I wrote in the previous week. It's on average five and most of them are dealing with the key issues you're wrestling with in society, with the things that, that you're being confronted with or your kids are dealing with in school or you're reading on the news and you're like, yeah, you're frustrated because you, you want to get a message out. It's like, wait, wait, Dr. Brown, you said what I was thinking. Great. Now you can share that or just be informed, edified yourself. Remember, we have this holy mandate from the Lord to help get God's people thriving and healthy and strong. As we get thriving and healthy and strong, yokes are broken from our own lives. As we get healthy and thriving and strong, we now in turn can help others. As our light shines more brightly, the darkness will be dispelled. And no, we're not going to see a perfect world until Yeshua returns. We're not going to see perfect peace on earth till Jesus returns. America will not become a totally, quote, Christian nation or messianic nation until the Lord sets up his kingdom over the whole world. But the fact is, we can make a difference now, and we do it together. So go to askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Click to receive our emails. Also, the beginning of the week, if we have a new resource offer, things we've put together for you, a new book coming out, a special announcement, you'll know about it. Ask drbrown.org. Sign up for the emails. Just put in your email address, your first and last name, if you like your address as well. 
And if I'm coming to speak in your area, you'll get notification as well. So this is a great way for us to stay in touch. If you want to stand with us, if you want to join our support team, and as you've been helped, now help us to help more people, help us to strengthen more believers, help us to shine the light more brightly, just click on Donate Monthly Support. A dollar a day makes a big, big difference, and we will pour back into you in many, many different ways. All right. A lot more to talk about today. I want to get to as many calls as possible. Now's a great time to call in because we'll be able to get your call before the show is over. 866-348-7884. Stay right here and we'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Ah, what beautiful words. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Welcome to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday, 866 Three, four, truth. All of us, although all of you joining us now on KDKR in the DFW area, I've got an important announcement I'll be making in the next few days that'll be very relevant for all of you listening. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Eric in Johnson City, Tennessee. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. I had a quick question. Yeah. Um, in the Old Testament, there are individuals mentioned with a lineage, and there are some that are not. The prophet Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, uh, anointed prophets, his lineage is not mentioned at all. Is there a significance in the omission of his lineage? Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, you have his successor, you have the father's name there, right? Uh, you have, you know, so many through the Bible were known as son of this one, son of that one. Part of the lineage, when Ezra comes back from Babylonian exile to join his people in Jerusalem, it links this lengthy lineage, son of so-and-so, so, you know, to trace him all the way back to Aaron, the high priest. Uh, so there's, there's obviously purpose in mentioning the lineage. Not mentioning it seems quite intentional. There are some who claim that he was a Gentile, and that's why it's not mentioned. But there's no hint of that in, in the text. There's nothing that would strongly point in that direction. And his name, Eliyahu, so the Lord is my God, Yahweh is my God, is, is a very strong testimony of his Israelite background. But my impression is it makes him a more supernatural character. In other words, he comes out of nowhere and then he departs, uh, taken up in, in chariots of fire and a whirlwind. So even though he's a human being, Jacob, James 5, tells us he's flesh and blood just like us. There's something very much supernatural about this man of God that 
it comes just with a word from God and an unction from God and is backed by God and then is taken out of this world. So he is a unique figure in that way. And then his voice comes back later, many years after his death, there's a letter that's written from Elijah to, to a corrupt king. Where did that come from? And then of course, at the end of Malachi, uh, there's Elijah that's coming. Does it mean Elijah literally or the spirit and power of Elijah? And then he's a figure in the New Testament. And he's a figure in traditional Judaism. To this day, every Passover Seder, you leave a chair empty for Elijah the prophet. So it, it just kind of plays into this bigger than life character. And that to me is, is the only explanation. Again, some have claimed he didn't have an Israelite heritage, but putting that one aside, to me, it's just for effect. And it, it, it underscores this dramatic nature of his character. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, a friend of mine is a youth pastor, and he was reading it, and he was wanting to teach his young people or preach in a sermon that um, Elijah's lineage didn't matter. He was just a willing vessel that God had wanted to use us, and if we would yield ourselves to use us. And I said, I don't think that's right. I well, feel well, like there's a deeper... Yeah, let, let's just say this. Maybe I've ex expressed something that's more germane to the text itself, right? But right. for sure, your, your friend can make application or he can point to a Jephthah in the book of Judges, right? Whose mother was a prostitute and was rejected by his contemporaries and God raised him up and used him. So you can say, look, Absolutely. whatever your background, God can use you. So I don't, I don't believe... That's the primary reason we don't have the lineage. But is your friend making an application from that for young people? Sure, you can make that application and certainly take James 5, Jacob 5, that he was a human being just like us. And he's the most supernatural person in the Bible outside of Jesus. He's the most supernatural human being in terms of so different, so other. But he was flesh and blood just like us. Hey, thank you for the call, Eric. Thank you, Dr. Brown. You are very welcome. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Jonathan in Israel. Thanks for calling. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, hello, Dr. Michael Brown. Hello. So, so my, my English is not so good. I will do my best, but if I say some word in Hebrew, you can translate, okay? All right, all right. So, first of all, I, I grew up in an uh, ultra-autogous community in Israel. So, okay. And right now I'm considering myself agnostic because nobody really uh, managed to convince me that God exists. And on the other hand, I'm really enjoying being Jewish and I'm enjoying Jewish tradition. So let's just say I'm not really, really religious, but I do read the New Testimony and I find out that Jesus was a great guy and... He preached only to, to do good, and he only wanted to do good, but the the idea that he's the Messiah, from a Jewish perspective, it just doesn't fit anything I know about Judaism. So, I know that every prophet about Jesus being the Messiah is from the Nevi'im, huh? from mm -hmm. the, the prophets, and not from the Torah. So, in, in English, there is a word Bible, but... In Hebrew, it's not a word. It's Tanakh. It's uh, initial. Yeah, yeah. So in Hebrew, when in Hebrew, when mostly uh, 
Uh, I want to talk about the Bible. He, doesn't, he, he won't say Bible, and he won't say Tanakh. He will say Torah. If you talk about the Torah, and he will say Nevi'im if you talk about the prophet, okay? Yeah. Because there is a big, there's a big difference between the, the Torah and the Nevi'im. So, so let me yeah, let, let me let me just ask you something, Jonathan or Jonathan. Let, let me ask you this. Yes, Jonathan. Uh, a, a traditional Jew believes that Mashiach is important in God's plan. Correct. Yes, yeah, of course. Praise every day. Anima mean benanat beviat Mashiach. Right. So praise daily and confesses. Yeah, okay. So, what are the prophecies about Mashiach? within the Torah that a traditional Jew would point to? Yeah, but my, my question is not about this. My question is, why isn't... Oh, isn't I'll, I'll, show you, I'll, I'll, show you, I'll show you Yeshua in the Torah. That's easy. I'll show you that in oh, a moment. Okay. But I'm asking, right. as, a, as a Haredi Jew, if someone said to yeah. you, uh, show me Mashiach in the Torah. We're not talking about Yeshua for well, the moment. I all right? Ah, okay. okay. Well, in in other honest, words, they're, lot, they're not... To be honest, um, we never talk about Messiah yet. Okay. And okay. to be honest, whenever somebody talk about the Messiah, they say, say uh, get away from him because he's either a Chabad, a Chabadnik, okay. who is believed the, the Rebbe is the Messiah, or either he's a Messianic Jew. Basically, a Haredi Jew does not talk about the Messiah. Yeah, right. I know. Even though it's important through, I, through Jewish history... Yes. And certainly a major theme yeah. within the scriptures. Okay, so, I mean, they're going to talk yeah. about more about uh, Halakha and, and learning Shas and all yeah. of that. I understand. Okay, so yeah. let, let me tell you the different places where I would find Mashiach in, in the Hebrew Bible, okay? The first hint is, is in Breshit, Genesis, the third chapter. And this is just a hint, okay? But remember when, when Hashem, when God curses the Nachash, the serpent, right? He says, yeah. So I'll put enmity, hatred yeah. between you and between the woman, So I'm going to put hatred between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he'll crush your head, you'll strike his heel. There are many who believe throughout Genesis, God keeps talking about Avraham's Zerah, the Zerah of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God says, through your seed, through your Zerah, the whole earth will be blessed. So many look at this and say, ultimately, this is a prophecy that a descendant of the woman, a descendant of Eve, will ultimately destroy the Nachash, who represents Satan. Okay, just to, that's just a hint. We just leave that there, okay? All right. All right, now we go to Breshit Kafbet, uh, uh, so Genesis 22. And there we read about the Akedah, the binding of Isaac. Yeah. So you know in the actual... Oh, I know about it, yeah. Right, right. Malach Elohim, yeah, I know. Okay, now we know that in reality Yitzchak doesn't die there, right? But later yeah. rabbinic traditions say that God counted it as if he died and as if his blood was shed. Yeah. And, and there, are, there are even Jewish traditions that says every offering that's offered, even the tamid, the daily offering, that that's offered based on the merits, the zechut of Yitzchak. So this, is, this to me yeah. is just a, a picture of, of Messiah who suffers for us and based on his zechut, but wait, based, based on his merit. Why, why God cannot be more specific and more obvious? I mean, oh, okay. if, if oh, you read the Torah... 
you, no, wait. If you will talk, I know, I know what you got. I heard first part of what I listen to you every uh, young uh, Wednesday and every young uh, Wednesday, no Hamishi. Okay. Yes, yeah. and I heard most of you, uh, I listened to most of you YouTube videos and you are be- uh, beautiful, okay? Even though I'm not agreeing with you on 90% of the subject, but I keep on listening to you because I f- I'm trying to find the truth, okay? Yes, but yes. If you read... If you read the Torah without a Mepharshim, yes, without a Rashi and without a, a, a rabbinic tradition, if you read the Torah and you believe yourself, okay, you don't see any, you don't see that Abraham knew about the Messiah. You don't see that Moses knew about the Messiah. Moses, for example, no, when, when he was dying, you know, God tell him, look, you're going to die and you will never uh, set a foot in this, the land of Israel. So let me show you the state of the land of Israel. Why, why didn't God tell them, look, right. you will wake up one day after the Messiah will come, and, I, and you will be there in the land of Israel. Right, right. Okay, so, so... Why to, didn't he say to Abraham? Yeah, yeah, so to answer your question, it's because God reveals things little by little. Because we're not able to understand everything, and it's one thing upon another upon another. Look, a Haredi Jew believes there's Torah Sheba Alpeh, an oral law, right? But there's not, there's not a yeah. word about it anywhere in the Torah. It never mentions that. Any oh, of the okay. verses that they claim to use are, are very much twisted. What I'm saying is I can build one block upon another to point to Yeshua, and then we'll just stay here so we can keep talking on the other side of the break, Okay. I want to talk about the death of the righteous atones and where we see that in the Torah. As you keep reading, by the time you get to Isaiah 53, it's clear. It's Yeshua. It's crystal clear. Okay, but stay right there. Thank you. Thank you for listening and watching. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. I'm having a thoroughly delightful conversation with Yonatan in Israel. Do you mind me asking how old you are, sir? 32. 32. And, and I still don't know, and I still don't know what's going on with me. The religion is talking. Yes, I yes. I was a communist. I was a radical right winger. I was Hasidic one time. I was, and right now I just don't know. I just. Were, were you raised and, in the Haredi community? Yes, yes. In Bnei Brak, if you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, near Tel Aviv, of course. And at, yeah. at what, at yeah. what point did you really begin to question what you believe? Was it early on oh, or, or later in life? Yeah, yeah. When I was eight years old. Eight the years old. The first time, uh, it was when, when in the, after Tisha B'Av, I saw my mom put the book of the Kinot back in their closet. And I asked her, I told her, wait, you believe that Messiah will come every day, right? So why are you keeping the, uh, the, the Kinot book for next year? Mm. And she didn't really answer me. And I was like, okay, I got my answer. And this is where it started. And I, to be honest, I, 
started to saw the ridiculousness of the traditional rabbinic Judaism interpretation of the Tanakh. Yes, when yes, whenever yes. something doesn't fit the narrative, they just change it. You know, and Rashi is a great uh, interpreter of the Tanakh, but sometimes he might, like Keshev Itanu Yamim, Rashi says Shanim, like. Instead of days, he says years. And this is not what... I, I can read the Bible, and I can understand the Bible without Rashi, but how come every time it doesn't fit the narrative, you change whatever you want to change? And nobody gave me an answer, and they keep on saying to me, you have a question just because your head is not clean, and you everything you do is question God. Just shut up and study the Torah and the Talmud, and you won't have any question. And Yeah. And, you know, Yonatan, I've, I've heard that it can happen in any religious tradition, for sure. But I've, I've heard that from other ex-Haredi, from people who are OTD, off the derech. And it was the same thing when they asked. Yeah. It's one thing to ask a question about some halachic discussion, some chocolate tires, some give and take in a Talmudic debate. And you're trying to understand that. But when you ask the bigger question, why should I listen to the Talmud or why should many times that will get shut down. So I appreciate your honesty very, very much. And I encourage you to keep searching and being honest with God and honest with yourself and and just say, God, if you're there, you have to help me. You know, like the, the, the prayer in the Psalms, Gal Abita uncover my eyes that I can behold wonders from, from your teaching. So God, if you're there, open my eyes. My wife, Nancy, when she was raised in Reformed Judaism, so it was very, very liberal. But at the age of eight, she concluded that God did not exist. And it was only at 19 when we met and she encountered God that she became a believer. Uh, but let me get back to your question about Torah. Uh, we do know in, in Breshit 49 that there's, there's a reference to a leader coming from the tribe of Yehuda, the tribe of Judah, and the nations will give him their obedience. That's understood as a messianic prophecy, but that doesn't necessarily say Jesus. I understand that. And the words of Bil'am, Balaam, in Bamidbar, Numbers 24, I see him, but not yet, and a scepter will rise from Israel. So that's another picture of Messiah. So Moses wrote those words. So again, but that doesn't specifically point to Jesus. It just points to a messianic king. But then you have the whole, the, the situation of the korban, the sacrificial system, the, the goat, la azazel, the, the scapegoat, that you put all the sins of the nation on that and carries them away. Or you have the cities of refuge. If you accidentally kill someone, you can flee to them. And you have to stay there the rest of your life unless the high priest dies. And when he dies, you're released. And this is part of the concept in traditional Judaism you hear it this day when a famous rabbi dies that the death of the righteous atones for the sins of the generation. So that to me, that's the Basarah, that's the gospel. And, and it, it, God's laying this out to put these concepts in the hearts and minds of the people of Israel. So when you get to Isaiah 53, all of us like sheep have gone astray, each one has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. There it is. I mean, it's, it's so clear. It's so beautiful. So the Torah lays the foundations. Nevi'im build on those foundations to bring us to Yeshua. So it's not just out of the blue. These things are being laid out for people to see. 
And then, then when we go back and read it, so you start reading Isaiah, Yeshayahu 52, beginning in, in 13. So, so God says his servant's going to be highly exalted. But then it says, yeah, but, uh, rub, rub, yes, but I, No, I know, I know that in the Nevi'im, the prophet, there's a lot of prophecy about Messiah. And a lot of, I, I wonder you didn't mention Malachi Gimel, which is, you know, there is a verse, Pitom Yavoa Adon Alechano, which is yes, yes. pretty much uh, pointing on Jesus, but yes, I'm speaking Malachi about the Torah. And, yeah, yeah, and I'm, well, I'm, I'm speaking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, which were, uh, the, especially Moses, he was the perfect guy. He was the perfect guy, the perfect guy that God says, uh, says about him that, you know, Timonat Hashem Right, but, but just guy. remember, just and, remember, even from a traditional perspective, there's not a lot of messianic prophecy within the Torah. But what I'm saying, there are themes. Yeah, why is it? That, because, God's, why is it? because they didn't have a king yet, because they didn't have a full concept of Messiah. So God first is calling the nation out, bringing his people to himself, right? Then giving us his, his yeah. laws and commandments to live by. Now giving us a picture of the king, of David, of a greater David, of Mashiach. So he's just building it like a good builder, one layer on another. But what so I'm what, encouraging... Moses didn't know about the Messiah? Moses I, I, didn't know about the Messiah? No, I... He died I, thinking that... I, I, I he believe... He thinking that, you know, he, he, he would never be in the state, in the land of Israel. God said about them, He was God's friend, in a sense. So he, could, could, could God tell them, look, you know... You will wake up one day. You are not going to be dead forever. And well, I don't, you will I don't, see the land of Israel. Yeah, I don't think that they thought that they would be dead forever. I believe they had a hope. But, but look, if Moses wrote down the words of Genesis 49.10. So he knew about the coming of, of Mashiach from the line of Judah. And he wrote down the words of Bilam in Numbers 24. So he knew about the king yeah. who would rise up and destroy the enemies of Israel. So I, I believe Moses knew about Mashiach, and Avraham knew that through his Zerah, through his seed, the whole world would be blessed. But all these things are, are pictures. Look, the, the whole sacrificial system, and every day, substitute, substitute, as Rashi says, life for life. And then as I mentioned, the atoning power, the death of the righteous, this is God's way of preparing the people for the coming of Messiah. And he does it in a very systematic way. So builds on the foundation of Torah. And then you have many of these pictures and images like the Akedah, like Joseph rejected by his own brothers. And he becomes the savior of the Gentile world. And then only the second time around, his own brothers recognize who he really is. And that's how it is with the church now that, that Jesus is recognized by the Gentiles, but is foreign to his own people. But when he returns, he'll be recognized. So I see all these beautiful layers there, and then you build on it the words of the prophets, you build on it the words of the Psalms, and from there, the picture is clear. Hey, the, the show's just about over, but I've got a question for you. Um, and you don't have to answer on the air, okay? Because Dwayne will come okay. right back to, to chat with you. Uh, we have friends in Israel that have a lot of, of former Haredi friends who are believers in Yeshua, who've been on a very similar journey that you've been on. And I know they'd be happy to talk to you. So, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. And this is, this is off the air, so you don't have to respond on the air with me now, okay? If you'd like to give contact info, an email address or something else, 
I promise you, it will only be given to one person that I know very, very well in Israel. I speak with him, interact with him regularly. I know him well. I've watched him for many, many years. I've met some of his former Haredi, ex-Haredi friends who are now followers of Yeshua. And I'm sure he'd love to, to talk with you. All right, so if you'd like to give us this contact info, it will go to no one. We, we won't put you on our mailing list. It will not be given to anyone else. All right, this is the only way I know how to, to put you in touch. Or maybe you've got some other email or address or something. Dwayne's going to come back on with you, Yonatan. And if you're willing to give us that contact info, then we'll pass it on. If not, then you can always write to me personally through our website or call another day. And I'd be delighted to continue the conversation. And everybody listening and watching, let's pray for God to reveal truth to Yonatan, for God to make real to this precious man how real he is and who Messiah really is. Let's pray for that and for Yonatan to have a heart to receive it. Okay, stay right there. Dwayne's going to come on and talk with you if you'd like to give us the contact into a boy. May he do it. That would be wonderful. I know exactly who to connect him with. And friends, this is what our ministry is all about. Thanks for being part of it. The third R of our ministry, revival in the church, moral cultural revolution in society, and redemption in Israel. That's the, the ultimate cause for which we live, seeing our Jewish people come to faith. Another program powered by the Truth Network.